Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. CARICOM Secretary General congratulates re-elected Barbados Prime Minister. U.S. sanctions are losing their effectiveness. U.N. Chief says global solidarity is missing in action. Haiti's future topic of online meeting between regional leaders. Spain's longtime news service, EFE, could leave Cuba within weeks. And Bahamas' regal British colonial Hilton to close. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, January 21st. We start our report today at the CARICOM headquarters. CARICOM Secretary General Dr. Carla Barnett has congratulated the Prime Minister of Barbados, Honorable Mia Motley on her resounding triumph in the general elections of January 19th. On behalf of the Caribbean community, I offer my sincere congratulations to you and the Barbados Labor Party on your resounding victory in the general election of January 19th. The overwhelming success of the Barbados Labor Party indicates that the people of the country have every confidence in your stewardship and look forward to your continued leadership to guide them on a path that would ensure their progress. I look forward to working with you once again in deepening and strengthening our integration movement and in confronting the many challenges besettling the community at present. You can be assured, Prime Minister, of our support at CARICOM Secretariat in that endeavor. Bahamanews.net via RT.com reports that the United Nations Economic Commission for Latin America and the Caribbean released its annual report this month, and it showed rosy economic forecasts for countries such as Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. It predicted that the Cuban economy will grow by 3.5% in 2022, and those in Venezuela and Nicaragua should both see increases of 3%. These figures are all above the regional average of 2.1% for Latin America and the Caribbean, and ahead of major economies such as Brazil and Chile. Separately, Switzerland's Credit Suzy Bank predicts that Venezuela's economy could grow up to 4.5% in 2022 and says 2021 growth could even be as high as 8.5%. For his part, President Nicolas Maduro reported to the country's Congress that the economy grew by 7.6% in the third quarter of 2021 and probably grew more than 4% in the whole year on the back of exports. What's remarkable about these figures, and in particular, that Venezuela's economy is thriving after experiencing runaway inflation is that the growth is happening despite unilateral sanctions from the United States, the world's largest economy. It begs the question of whether these sanctions are as effective as they used to be, and the answer would appear to be no. The article states that a major key to Venezuela's success has been its growing trade links with Iran, another country in the crosshairs of Washington, plus the deepening ties with Russia and China. In addition, Cuba recently signed on to China's BRI, and so did Nicaragua, which also restored diplomatic ties in whole with Beijing. 
as is the case with Syria, economies cooperation with China, the world's second largest economy by nominal GDP. Venezuela and Iran have been cashing in on the growing price of petroleum. But this would be meaningless without a market, which is where China comes in. Bloomberg reports this month that China recorded a three-year high in imports of oil from Venezuela and Iran, providing both these countries with the crucial market and giving Beijing access to extremely cheap raw materials essential to its continued economic growth. This is what Chinese diplomats would call a textbook win-win corporation. The United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres told world and business leaders that global solidarity is missing in action. Guterres' remarks were made as he addressed a virtual World Economic Forum on Monday. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, for the second year in a row, the forum was canceled in Davos, Switzerland for a series of online plenary and discussions over the year ahead under the banner of the Davos Agenda. According to the UN flagship economic forecast released last week, the world is emerging from the depths of a paralyzing economic crisis, but recovery remains fragile and uneven. With persistent labor market challenges, supply chain disruptions, rising inflations, and looming debt traps, the recovery is now slowing down drastically. The last two years have demonstrated a simple but brutal truth. If we leave anyone behind, we leave everyone behind, the UN chief said. The Secretary General then urged all participants in the forum to focus on three urgent areas. The first one, he explained, is to confront the pandemic with equity and fairness, reminding that the World Health Organization's goal to vaccinate 40% of the people in all countries by the end of last year and 70% by the middle of this year. Mr. Guterres said the world was nowhere even close. In fact, he added vaccination rates in high-income countries are shamefully seven times higher than in African countries. Besides a focus on vaccine equity, he argued that the world must prepare for the next pandemic with investment in monitoring, early detection, and rapid response plans in every country. The World Health Organization's authority should also be strengthened, he said. Global financial overhaul is also needed. The second area of urgent action is the global financial system. We need to reform the global financial system so it works for all countries, Mr. Gutierrez explained. At this critical moment, we are setting in stone a lopsided recovery. With more than 8 out of 10 recovery dollars being spent in developing countries, the UN chief believes low-income countries are at a huge disadvantage. Mr. Gutierrez pointed to record inflation, shrinking fiscal space, high interest rates, and soaring energy and food prices, saying that they are hitting every corner of the world, especially low- and middle-income countries. For him, the global financial system has failed them when they needed it the most. 
Mr. Guterres also asks governments and institutions to go beyond the gross domestic product to measure for investment risk, to address corruption and illicit financial flows, and to ensure that the tax systems are fair and designed in a way that truly reduces inequities. The third and last area highlighted by Secretary General was climate action in developing countries. Even if all developing countries keep their promises to drastically reduce emissions by 2030, global emissions will still be too high to keep the 1.5 degree goal within reach. According to the UN-backed research, the world needs a 45% reduction in global emissions this decade, but they are set to increase by 14% by 2030. Over the last two decades, the economic toll from climate-related disasters skyrocketed by 82%. Just last year, extreme weather caused $120 billion in insured losses and killed 10,000 people. Across these three areas, Mr. Gutierrez argued the international community needs the support, ideas, financing, and voice of the global business community. According to him, the world cannot afford to replicate the inequities and injustices that continue condemning tens of millions of people to lives of want, poverty, and poor health. We cannot continue to build walls between the haves and haves not, he concluded. Toronto Star reports that the U.S. State Department says it is looking forward to a productive meeting when Central American leaders gather online with Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolly to talk about the future of Haiti. The Caribbean nation has faced unrest since last summer's killing of President Jovenel Moise. Jolly has convened the virtual meeting while she is in the midst of a three-country European trip to talk with leaders about the Russian military buildup on the Ukraine border. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Haitian Prime Minister Ariel Henry are scheduled to speak at today's meeting. They will be joined by representatives of the United Nations, the Caribbean Community, or CARICOM, the International Organization of La Francophonie, and the Organization of American States for what Global Affairs Canada describes as an attempt to coordinate security efforts and foster political stability and sustainable development. Jolly also confirmed Thursday that her counterpart from France, Jean-Yves Legrand would also attend and that the pair agreed on the importance of international collaboration to address the challenges faced by Haiti and Haitians particularly with respect to security issues. On Tuesday, U.S. President Joe Biden said Los Angeles would play host this June to the Summit of the Americas, where leaders from across the two continents and the Caribbean gather every three years to talk about shared priorities, the causes of and potential solutions to irregular immigration will be a priority item on the agenda. Migrants from Haiti and a number of Central American countries have been regularly moving northward, putting pressure on the southern border of the United States and creating widespread instability in the Western Hemisphere. 
the Summit of the Americas is taking place in the United States for the first time since the inaugural event was held in Miami in 1994. The Virgin Islands Free Press via Voice of America reports that Spain's EFE News Agency president in an interview with Voice of America said the network may leave the island of Cuba within weeks, citing visa delays and restrictions imposed on staff since protests last year. We don't want to leave Cuba. The problem is that they're kicking us out of Cuba. We only have two accredited journalists there, and one of these has to renew their visa every month, said Gabriela Cañas during a phone call in Madrid. We are not going to leave out of our own choice. We are the international media which reports the most from Cuba. The Cuban government wants to force us out, she said, adding that EFE would have to decide its future within weeks. The news agency is looking for solutions and it hopes that the new Cuban ambassador to Madrid, Marcelino Medina, could act as an intermediary. In November, Havana revoked the press credentials for three editors, a camera operator, and a photographer. No reasons for the decision was provided. At the time, EFE had been covering protests and the lead-up to the civil march for change as dissident groups called for greater civil rights. Havana issued a ban on the march taking place. Its action against EFE drew complaints from the Spanish government and criticism from the international community. In response, Havana restored credentials for one editor and one photographer. Cañez believes EFE was singled out by the Cuban government because of its reach. Practically half of the news in Latin America about Cuba comes from us, but I do not have the answer. You will have to ask the Cuban government, she said. The Cuban embassy in Madrid did not reply to Voice of America's request for comments. EFE has been covering events in Cuba since 1975. And finally, the St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that the NASA Guardian reports that the British Colonial Hilton has decided to cease business operations, citing a dismal business forecast for the foreseeable future. In a letter to Bahamas Hotel Catering and Allied Workers Union, Hilton's Director of Operations... Lynn Johnson said staff members will be out of work on February 15th. More than 100 employees will be impacted by the move. Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Tourism Investments in Aviation for the Bahamas, Chester Cooper said in a statement that he met with the owner of the hotel, China Construction America, which indicated the agreement to carry the Hilton brand at the property has come to an end. We are currently attempting to facilitate discussions with the owners and established management companies with a view to make sure the closure can be avoided or minimized, Cooper said. I'm cautiously optimistic that a resolution can be reached, he said. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, January 21st. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news right here Monday through Friday. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.